Thank you for listening to this podcast hosted by the Cambridge MBA. Today, we're very happy to have with us from Palo Alto, Diane Eisner, VP Platform and Partnerships for one of the hottest uh, app companies at the moment, Waze, that came from Israel. Thanks very much for joining us, Diane. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Diane, could you just tell us firstly, what is Waze? Waze is a free GPS and real-time traffic application for iPhone and Android. Um, and the unique thing about it is that uh, it's not your standard GPS that you use when you don't want to get lost. It's all entirely crowdsourced, which means that our community of 42 million drivers, uh, every time they have the app open, we're anonymously collecting GPS traces and timestamps and using that information to create um, updated maps, uh, incredible traffic information, uh, incidents, road closures, accidents, things that you might find up ahead, uh, all really woven into uh, to a social driving experience. How did Waze start? Waze was started in Israel by uh, an incredible engineer who uh, several years ago was given a GPS device. And this was before smartphones. Um, and so it was fairly brittle and the software was crude. Um, but it was, he was very excited about it at the time because he had a fascination with maps. Um, and he, he soon realized that the maps were already out of date. And not only was some of the information inaccurate about the, the you know, on the, the roads themselves, but also he wanted to add other real-time information. I think it was that he wanted to start with the, the red light cameras. <laughs> uh, so what he did was he, he came up with a hack for this, and he actually um, downloaded a very difficult SDK, was able to add information onto it, um, uh, put his code up online so other people could share it and participate. And he ended up getting a cease and desist letter from the company who said, no, 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 our accuracy is important. We don't want anyone messing with it. And he said, um, you know, he made a case for why he was improving the information. They didn't want to hear it. Uh, and so like all great companies that came out of a need uh, and of course, a, a little bit of revenge. <laughs> It sounds like the uh, the community and the engagement of the community is, is vital to the success of Waze. So how did you build and maintain that community, especially the first few people? Because obviously the information would have been quite sparse. Yeah, and this is the trickiest part. And it's the one that I'm, I'm, I feel good about how, how we've handled it. Now, with community, uh, you never know what people will respond to. And so as a platform, you need to make something that um, at least place your assumption. So our assumptions were that, okay, we know that this is going to be a functional app and it has great potential, but we can't pretend to be there now. Um, so what we did at the beginning when we didn't have a lot of information is we really catered to understanding the phases of development and crowdsourcing. And we see it from the Waze perspective in three phases of a developing market. The first is the build phase. And the build phase means that we might not even have every road map. We might have a very small community. And so what we do is we allow you to watch yourself actually drive the roads. And um, it's a great experience, not when someone just wants to beat traffic, but for those early people who are, you know, they're earlier adopters, they want to have some fun with their app, they want to be able to create something meaningful, they're not intimidated by going to a website to add a street name uh, onto a map. And then there's the play phase. The play phase is any market we're in where we have a very good base map. 
but we might not have uh, complete traffic information in real time. And so what we began to do was to spread these road goodies, and it could be like a virtual cupcake or a virtual candy bar, um, in the areas where we didn't have fresh traffic information. And people would actually go a little out of their way to, co- to, to chomp that uh, cupcake, get the virtual points for it. And then in exchange, everyone else in the network would have access to that fresh information. You can see the subtle shift in the mindset. And, and so the platform was always geared toward having a great functional application. But, you know, in the build phase, we, we, you know, kind of architected to make it easy to build. In the play phase, it was obviously more people than the, um, would want to have fun collecting cupcakes than would want to go do the heavy lifting on the website. And then all leading toward the functional phase, which is where we are now in most of the world, which is that we have a great map. We've got pretty good traffic data. We may not be in critical mass, um, but it's functional. You're going to be able to save time using Waze versus another device. Um, and, uh, and in many places around the world, we're already past that, past that critical mass phase and actually onto monetization. So I think you have to be careful with crowdsourcing and really be honest with yourself about what value are you providing um, at different stages of the development. And that's something that we spent a lot of time on. Interesting, this uh, few phase, three phase model that you have. Did yeah. you find that um, in different markets, in different countries, you had to play each phase differently? Were there different sort of regional nuances that you had to adjust this uh, three phase model with? Yeah, now the, the nuances are fairly cultural and they have to do with how well um, ways might sync with the culture or how rapid adoption could be, but it didn't really change the three phase model. Um, we find that map geeks tend to be pretty similar <laughs> around the world. Um, early technology and app adopters seem to have a, enough of a similar set of uh, motivations that we, we don't change that model. We try not to, to mess with anything related to the architecture, right? Everything has to be done at scale. But where the nuances come into play, for example, um, are, are in the response. So. Uh, in, in Europe, Italy is our top market. And uh, for example, Germany is one of our less, less dense markets. And we look at these two and we think, huh, what happened? Why is the response slower here and not here? Um, and we have to imagine, well, in Italy, we know that there, there are inherent differences in driving behavior. Italians are inherently more social. Um, and, um, uh, and so it makes sense. And they and they want to obviously they <laughs> it's in their culture to try to beat traffic. Uh, so all of these things just um, let us see, huh? That's interesting. Um, no wonder we're growing so fast in Italy, and then we'll have to be more patient in Germany, for example. But it's it's not exactly clear to us why a certain market will take off and another will will have to have more uh, slow adoption. So for example, Malaysia is one of these very very interesting examples where the community is so strong um, and it's so dense. We have a huge percentage of the population uh, using Waze in Malaysia. Uh, very good maps, very good traffic, possibly uh, you know, better than any other uh, opportunity there. And um, that's allowed us to have Malaysia actually be one of those countries we're already in the monetization phase. It's phenomenal and it was a surprise and it all had to do with the natural response of the community. 
it's great to hear that about Malaysia. I'm Singaporean, of course, so the next time I drive to Malaysia, I'll definitely keep my Waze app on. Um, one thing <laughs> I notice on, on Waze is that a user can actually report on Waze where traffic police and cameras are hidden and share that information with the community. What's been the reaction of law enforcement agencies to Waze? That's, a, that's another question that kind of speaks to these cultural nuances, um, and we're still finding out. In general, it's been really positive. Um, so I'll give you a few examples. In the UK, um, there uh, is a group of people that are responsible for keeping the motorways clear, and they're kind of semi-law enforcement. Um, and one of these folks told us a story a couple years back um, where he said that he always uses Waze, as does his partner, uh, because he feels like he gets information faster on Waze than he does through the other channels and through the police, the local police, et cetera, um, through their own resources. And he believes that he actually saved a life because he got to the scene of the incident 10 minutes prior, and it was a, a head injury. Um, very, very tricky thing. And so that speaks to how receptive is a government or is a police force to real-time information? Um, and how badly do they want to make sure that they just get the best, fastest information? So in the UK, we've had a, a great deal of success. Um, there's also in Israel, President Obama um, was in town last week, uh, and the Israeli police uh, and, and government forces all used ways. They even had in their headquarters um, a Waze staff member, you know, with the Waze banner on their desk, they're available in case there are any questions about the use of the application. So we're very, very closely with the government in that scenario. And one of my favorite headlines came out on Wired UK about that. And the headline was, police endorsed Waze application, <laughs> you know. Um, it's been a great uh, coup for your marketing department. Yeah, fantastic. Um, in the US, it's also been pretty great. The police have been um, a lot of policemen use ways here as well, also for the real-time information. Um, also because the road closures, uh, you might hear about it first on ways and somewhere else. Um, so really no issues there. But we do spend time working closely with a lot of the municipalities that are in the U.S. Um, and then you have scenarios like in France, for example, where it's illegal to have um, a specific point saying where there's a, a speed camera. And so we've had to make adjustments there because of the legislation as opposed to uh, as opposed to I think the response of police because Waze was is not an application to help you avoid police and I think that's where the line gets drawn. Waze is an application to help you save time and part of that is we tell you where the speed traps are um, but that's not the point and so uh, typically there's a leniency so unless it's legislative unless there's a law um, then, then we're really normally fine. But in France, for example, it's one where we actually have to do some development work um, and make sure that it, we're looking at zones as opposed to points and, and this kind of thing. So it sounds really exciting what you've accomplished. What's next for Waze? Uh, are you concerned about competitors or new entrants coming into the navigation space? So I think in general, we... we we see one competitor, um, and that primary competitor is Google, uh, and that's because they have a whole stack. And the whole, by whole stack, I mean it includes a base map, it includes the traffic, um, 
And really our talent is for bringing those things together and helping people save time. The unique part that we have from, from Google is that we do it in an incredibly social and community-driven way. Um, and so I feel good about our defensibility there. I'm less concerned about new entrants. Now, you can have a new entrant that comes in and, and has a great app and even gets very, very fast distribution. But I think the relationship with, we have with our community and the amount of time it takes to create an incredible um, technology that does what we do, it, it's real technology. We're not an app company in that way. I mean, you can look at us as an app, but then on the back end, you have to look at us as a data company that's learned to take you know, millions and millions and millions of bits of information and process it in real time. Um, so I don't feel like it's one of those easy things to do. And even when Apple came out last year um, and Tim Cook had to apologize for the maps, he recommended Waze. Uh, and, and that was really great for our company. But the other thing it showed was that even a huge company um, uh, has, has a bit of a struggle with map making, right? It, it highlighted to the world that making maps is a difficult thing to do. And there are two old players who, who do it, Navtech and Teleatlas, both owned by companies that, that where mapping is not their core business. And then on the new world, uh, there's us and Google. So... That's that's kind of the way we see it. Just one final question. You talked about um, after you go through the functional phase, you can start monetizing, and that's obviously something that's important to any company. Mm-hmm. What challenges does Waze face in terms of monetizing its services when you've got a community that's been so used to the free services? Yeah, so the thing is we want to keep it free. Um, at the base of everything, the more people who use Waze and the more frequently they use it, um, the better for everyone. So we wouldn't charge for it. Uh, now, we have to be very, very careful how we introduce advertising. And in the U.S., we just rolled out our platform in November of last year. It has gone very, very well. So number one, it had to be additive to the experience. We would never just start pushing banners. Um, it has to be natively integrated into the experience and seen as a service by our users, right? Then the second thing is it has to be smart enough that it's going to, to grow quickly over the coming years and not just copy something that's been done before because mobile advertising and particularly on location has been done in a very immature way until now. Um, yet mobile advertising gives us an opportunity to do what we've been trying to do for decades, right, which is track an entire purchase funnel all the way to arriving in store. And so I'll, I'll give you an example. Most location uh, apps, who have advertising, um, it will only give you what's nearby. What Waze does, we call it location-guided advertising, and not only do we know where you are, but we know where you've come from, we know what here is. So for example, you should have a different experience if you're going from home to the airport versus work to the gym. You see? And so understanding the origin, the destination, the time of day creates these layers of context that can help us understand uh, purchase intent in the real world. So if you look at the way that Google was um, search, uh, sorry, purchase intent for the web, we see ourselves as really purchase intent for the real world. Um, And and there's a tremendous amount of information um, that, that... yield these insights about driver behavior, commuter behavior, purchase intent, um, and all that can be kind of um, anonymized and looked at in aggregate. And uh, so far, 
is great for both the advertisers and the users. I mean, already, one of the major advertisers on our platform in the U.S. Um, has told us that we are their second largest spend, that they're spending more with us in 2013 than even Facebook or Google uh, digitally. And we've also heard um, results from other companies saying that, that um, for the first time, they can see um, the impact at retail of promoting their brand on Waze. So the early results have been fantastic. And then we see things on Twitter all the time. For example, uh, Dunkin' Donuts is one of our clients, a big donut shop here, and, and people are, are kind of um, really loyal to it. Uh, and we, we see these tweets saying, uh, Waze knew exactly what I wanted. I couldn't resist the coffee fix, stop the Dunkin' Donuts. So it became part of their world, part of the map experience and not an ad, right? And so we see this with our advertisers like Taco Bell and Nintendo. And so we see people um, talking about these ads in social media as if they're services. And so that gives us some indication that we're going in the right direction. But we're, we're on, on step number one of 100 for this year. So it's early days. Thanks very much, Diana. Um, as a as a as a Krispy Kreme fan, I guess uh, I I'm looking forward to the day when uh, I'm I'm in a car in the UK and Waze can tell me where's the closest Krispy Kreme. Then, <laughs> well, thank, thank you very much, Diane. This has been a fascinating talk um, about crowdsourcing, about how do you start a new uh, app company based on crowdsourcing and the challenges for monetization. And as I said, I think there's going to be a, a lot of exciting uh, new innovations in this field, and I'm quite sure Waze is going to be at the forefront of that. Thank you very much.